Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I'm joined by two gentlemen from the Penthe Brewing Company. Uh, can you introduce yourselves, guys? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm Dan Rowe. I'm the head brewer at the Penthe. Uh, I'm Brendan Carlin. Um, I'm one of the co-owners uh, and also um, kind of head our sales and distribution. Thank you, gentlemen, for making the trek out to Frederick so I didn't have to drive anywhere. I appreciate that. <laughs> Although it is fun to escape here. Today is a very busy day, so I appreciate not having to drive. Um, well, let's start out with just uh, how did Nepenthe come to be? Because if I remember correctly, it's actually – it's a decently interesting story right yeah so we uh the company actually started as a uh homebrew supply store um my business partners um brian and jill they started that in 2013 i think brian is who he did the one star review night that i did that i emceed at uh waverly yeah i believe yeah i believe that was was a lot of fun that needs to be revisited (laughs) Yeah, so we uh, we kind of got our start as a homebrew supply store, um, and then we kind of started working on the brewery because uh, we knew we wanted to um, kind of move into a brew pub model. Um, and then in 2019 is when we kind of uh, opened the doors um, at our current location. Um, so we opened up um, with the brewery, the restaurant, and then also the homebrew store as well um, in January of 2019. Did uh, did the homebrew store move from where like original location yep. to where the brewery is? It now? did, yeah, yeah. Um, which was, I mean, honestly, it was it was the right move because the the store flooded uh, multiple times at its current location because it was right on the Jones Falls. Um, so anytime there was like a huge rain, it was always we were always worried about you know flooding. Um, so a great decision. Yeah, so we moved up to the top <laughs> of the top of the hill on Falls Road. Um, and we were looking for a while at the right space. Um, and once we found this, we, we kind of knew we wanted to stay within the city. Um, and Hamden's a great neighborhood. A um, lot, um, lot of good small businesses right along the main street. And we're kind of just right off of that. Um, we have a lot of locals that live uh, in the neighborhood. So we kind of, we found the space and it was, it needed a lot of work. It was a really old building. Um, and it was actually two kind of buildings that got stitched together Um the front was an old kind of sports bar and then the back was a meat packaging facility, which was, I mean, walking through it the first time, it looked terrifying, like a haunted house. <laughs> like there were meat hooks, there were walk-in ovens, there was, you know, huge butcher tables. Like it was, we were like, is this really going to work? Probably a complete <laughs> lack of lighting to also yeah, make it, it even worse. it was really dark and scary. <laughs> and I mean, I remember like showing, you know, bringing people by and they're like, this looks really scary are you sure you guys can do this you know and once we kind of like got the architects involved and started conceptualizing it um we realized like it has a lot of potential and it was in the right location so um i mean it took about two years to get construction through um so it took a lot longer than anticipated and then you know we opened up in the beginning of 2019 and then um you know, COVID hit the next, the next year. At least you had a full year yeah, under your belts. To, yeah. The uh, first year was build a name and exactly, a fan base yeah. to yeah, totally. keep you going through. Yeah. 
the where did the name Nepenthe come from, and what does that mean? Um, so we got the the name from the poem "The Raven" by Edgar Allan Poe, um, and it's actually it refers to uh, an elixir that takes away your sorrows, um, which I mean is kind of what beer does for you, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so yeah, so with being kind of a Baltimore you know, brewery and, um, you know, being involved, um, the, the Raven has such a significance for Baltimore and Allen Poe and everything. So, um, yeah, it kind of, kind of fit. I, I, for some reason thought it meant something else. Huh? I'm glad I didn't postulate and sound like an idiot. Like I normally do. (laughs) (laughs) And that's actually a, I, I, that's much cooler uh, reasoning than I thought. Um, one thing I think is really cool about Nepenthe is the artwork on your labels. Who, uh, who does the artwork? Uh, so it's a guy, Mike Moses. Um, he does, um, my business partner, Brian's all of his tattoos. Um, so Brian's been going to him for a while. And, um, you know, when we were opening, you know, getting ready to open the brewery, we kind of thought about Mike doing potential labels for us. And, um, once we kind of got some initial drawings back from him, we were like, this is amazing. Now you mentioned they are, they are very tattoo-esque. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, uh, you know, for us, I think it really helps us kind of est- – it helped establish our brand and kind of, um, you know, people recognize it. Oh, 100%. And stuff like like that. you, you yeah. can tell a Nepenthe label yeah. with just a glance. Yeah, and it's he's really great to work with, and it's really fun to kind of see – what he comes back with, like his line drawings are phenomenal. Then when we see it in color, it just like, it pops. It, it looks really great. So how many labels does Brian have tattooed? Uh, I don't know if he has any of our current labels. I mean, he does have a, a, the Space Jellyfish on him from Metroid. Not that same iteration, but um, he has a lot of really cool tattoos um, from Mike. Um, and then, I mean, now we're, we're up to a lot of labels. We have two really... Uh, our big kind of walk-in cooler doors are covered with uh, labels oh, that we've done. So, nice. um, and he, we have some really big panels in the the tap room that he uh, he did as well, which looked great. What uh, what size brew house and fermenters did you open up with? So we have a <clears throat> we have a ten barrel brew house, um, just two vessel, uh, still the same brew house. Um, and Brian opened with. Uh, Four 20-barrel conical fermenters and one 20-barrel bright. That was it. And that whole first year, Brian Arnold was basically doing a lot of the production work himself, all the brewing, and, and then going upstairs and putting work in in the tap room too. Um, a lot of work. And then he had, you know, one assistant brewer in 2019 um, who also worked, I think, part-time at Heavy Seas. Um but yeah, that's what that's what we opened up with. A lot's changed since then. Um, yeah, I mean, we when we opened it was we were kind of going off the brew pub model where we you know were anticipating selling a majority of our beer in house. Um, and then obviously we started to slowly distrib- self distribute a little bit, um, but we didn't get our canning line until you know uh, right before COVID hit. Um, so we were just selling most of the majority of the beer in the tap room and then we would sell some kegs out to distro and then um luckily we got our canning line right before covid and we we're able to kind of pivot into like production once covid hit 
So you're saying <clears throat> back then when I did email Brian, he wasn't lying about being super busy. Yeah, we were we were all yeah, we were all running around like crazy. Um, you know, we have a small team. It's uh, you know myself, Brian, and Jill are the three owners, but we were also you know in the tap room working yeah. there. You know, helping out everywhere. So it was it was a wild time, but we made it through. <laughs> when did you join, Dan? Um, I came on in. January of 2020, actually, um, and that's fun when, times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you had two two months under your belt before the world went to hell. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a long, long journey that we've all gone through the last like damn three years. Yeah, you know? <laughs> crazy. Um, but yeah, I think we got ahead of, I guess, ahead on the ball with uh, ordering the canning line. Basically, when I started, and then. Little did we know two months later that our canning line would arrive just in time when everybody else is starting to realize that they need they need to order a canning line too. Yeah. Uh, so you were ahead. That you was, were yeah, far up uh, in the line. It was so you, a godsend. So you kind of pivoted pretty quickly then from yeah. just wanting to sell yep. everything through tap lines yep. to also distributing. Yeah, we kind of realized the potential with distribution there. Um, so we were like, okay, let's kind of make the investment and go for the canning line. Little did we know it would be like the savior, yeah. you know, because um, when, when COVID hit, I mean, Baltimore City completely shut down. So we had to go to. Oh, yeah. You couldn't do no, anything in anything. Baltimore. It was for, very strict. For, for longer long periods of time than yeah. everywhere else. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, so we had to go to a carryout model um, for the kitchen, you know, and we have a pretty big tap room and, you know to lose that amount of revenue that was coming in for the tap room was, was tough, you know, and being able to pivot. And that's when we really grew our self-distribution model. And it was pretty much me going out in my Subaru and just delivering <laughs> beer throughout the state, you yeah. know, and uh, it was good because we did have a, we did have a pretty good following and I was able to kind of build that and add accounts throughout the state, you know, so I'd be driving to out here to Frederick and then, you know, driving down to Montgomery County to the Eastern shore, you know, so it was just a lot of just, hitting the pavement and um, getting beers to as many stores as possible. Did uh, did the kitchen stay open for takeout the whole time also? It or did, would, yeah. Did Bal Baltimore always still allow takeout, right? Yep. Okay. Luckily, we were able to do takeout. So, I mean, we pretty much had to scale back our, our, um, our team slightly and kind of just repurpose um, how we were doing things. But we, we made a pretty efficient um, carryout model. Um, which, which also really helped, um, you know, keep us through, keep us going through this. Your chicken sandwich looks absolutely delicious. It is. It is very, <laughs> very good. Oh yeah. It's, uh, that first year, I mean, it, just eating every day, every day there. Is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's delicious food. Um, I think that's something we really pride ourselves on is the kitchen and the food program. Um, you know, and that's something that, you know, I think really set us apart too was having a full kitchen and also having a full bar, you know, so people can come get a great meal, get delicious, you know, uh, beer. And then also if somebody doesn't drink, you know, beer, we have cocktails, wine, um, gluten-free options. So, Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations, and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, 
happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. So I assume because you started out with a homebrew shop that you did homebrew, because that would be kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to yeah. not. Um, what was the first homebrew you ever made? Do you remember that? Oh man, this is going back way. <laughs> and by chance, was it with a Mister Beer kit? It was not. No, Dan. <laughs> Dan? Uh, actually, I never used. Um, Mr. Beer Kit. I've had Mr. Beer Kit beers. <laughs> um, I think we know where what next thing I'd probably say about the quality of the <laughs> Mr. Beer Kit. There's beers. just there is a, there are a lot of breweries in the U.S. that have gotten their start with a Mr. Beer Kit, though. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I mean, so um, how how was that first homebrew? Was it good? I mean, I think it was you know average. I guess, you know, there's a lot of excitement about, you know, brewing your first beer yourselves. And there's where you can't recognize yeah, how bad we were it like, is. oh man, I did this myself. <laughs> this is, and I'm pretty sure the first thing I did myself was a pale ale. And I was like, oh, this is, this is drinkable. Yeah. You know, at least I, you know, or it's the greatest beer that's ever been made and you need everybody yeah. to try it. Why? Well, I, I remember I was so excited to have like, you know, friends and over for a party or something to be like, yeah, I brewed this beer, you know, and um, that was, that was pretty cool. And now, you know, the other end of that, it's like now it's really cool to go out and see our beers in stores and bars and, you know, um, kind of come full circle. So, what Was it getting into home brewing that led to opening a homebrew shop? Yeah, I mean, because um, Brian and Jill, they started the homebrew shop in 2013 and then I kind of joined the business because prior to this, I had a, was a partner in a, a bar and restaurant also in Hamden. Um, so I kind of knew them cause I would go buy supplies at the store and, you know, they w- would come in and have beers and stuff at So basically you're just an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think th- this kind of shared, you know, yeah. admiration, um, you know, and excitement about beer, especially, you know, the Baltimore craft beer scene, um, has really kind of grown. Um, so kind of wanting to do something. It's kind of like a quiet, un- unrecognized beer scene it seems like there's there's uh there are a lot of breweries there now but it doesn't seem like they're all recognized as being like the baltimore beer scene yeah it is for some reason or is that just in my mind i mean i think also compared to like other you know cities you know baltimore size or even smaller you know you have cities like Asheville where it's like it's this huge established thing, you know, and 
you know, Baltimore is a bigger city than Asheville, you know, and, and yet there's like, you know, a fraction of the amount of yeah. breweries probably, at least there, you know, 10 I years mean, ago. The, I think there are finally more now. I mean, Frederick had more than Baltimore oh, totally. for yeah. the longest time. Yeah. I mean, I think. Um, maybe even, actually, maybe even still now. Maybe there are less there than I had. I don't feel like yeah. counting. Um, so, but there's still, there, there are plenty yeah. of really good breweries in, yeah, yeah. in Baltimore now. Yeah, and I think that was something where we wanted to kind of, you know, be a part of that growth in the city. And, you know, just for me kind of like traveling, you know, younger and going to cities like Asheville or Portland, Oregon, yeah. or, you know, California, just seeing these like thriving beer, you know, communities. It Maybe really it's because it, for the most part, you're all pretty spread out from each other. There's like little pockets that are close to yeah. each other, but it's not like where you can walk. Yeah. And I the, think do a walking trail between a ton. Yeah. Of them. And that, I think that's something with Baltimore too. It's a city of neighborhoods. So it's like stuff is, you know, spread out a bit and you, yeah. you know, um, like to go downtown or to go to, you know, Canton, you know, it's, it's not like the easiest yeah. kind of way you got to go around the Harbor yeah, and it's stuff. not quite or, convenient yeah, to whereas, get from the North side of Baltimore yeah, to the, you know, the and, South side or even to the West. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, for some cities it's like way more planned out. Like it's, you know, Portland's like a grid, you know, so yeah. you can just easily go. There's just breweries everywhere. You can walk everywhere. It's almost like Baltimore's been there forever before <laughs> city planning. Yeah, right. Was a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, I think it's been really uh, exciting to see the Baltimore craft beer scene, you know, continue to grow. Um, and, you know, we did the Baltimore craft beer festival down in Canton and that was just a ton of fun. It was, that is one of the most beautiful uh, locations for a beer festival. I mean, the Frederick one's way better just because it's here. <laughs> we really <laughs> enjoyed we did that, that one. one too. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, Looking right along to that the, one again. Yeah, but yeah, just being a, on on the, the Inner Harbor, it just it it was beautiful. And um, yeah, I mean, there's new breweries popping up that you know we got to meet and talk to, and that was really fun. And just having such excitement, you know, all these long lines of people waiting to try beers is it's a really good environment. Um, so Dan, how did you get into brewing? Oh man, it's a somewhat of a long winded story. Um, we have as much time as you have. So <laughs> I actually started brewing in my pretty early twenties. Um, I have 12 plus hours of available space on the memory card. Oh, man. So we're all good. Right. We to try start, not to start take when you were a kid. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try not to take all of that up, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, so from 2008 to 2012, I was actually an active duty Marine in the Marine Corps, um, stationed down in Camp Lejeune. That's kind of where the, I guess the passion started. Um, right out the gate, I was, I mean, even as, even as a, I should say a teenager under the age of 21, <laughs> I was always the guy that was, you know, bringing like Dogfish head 60 minute with a nice, nice my paper labels on the glass bottles, and <laughs> everybody else has natty light. And I couldn't, you know, everything I else. I don't even know what I would have thought of a 60 minute IPA oh, when I was 21. Definitely would have been 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I was 21, but yeah, I just I was always drawn to, I think, my uncles um, on my dad's side of the family really hooked me into that and Sierra Nevada pale ale and some of those like pioneers of craft beer. Um, and I, and I drank like Killian's Irish red 
<laughs> Mickey's. I went through a, a Mickey's phase <laughs> for a while too, but um, I was the guy that was bringing the the other, uh, I guess, more craft beer to parties and whatnot. And people would kind of turn their nose and be like, "Oh, what's what's that?" It's like you know, well, these are six bottles for me, and if you don't want any any of them, then <laughs> they're probably then I have okay. Extra. They're probably like, um, it's so bitter. <laughs> So when I when I got into the Marine Corps, I had a uh, my first staff sergeant actually that was in charge of me. He was like a very established home brewer in the area down where Camp Lejeune is in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Won many competitions. I I kind of felt like I like this was a sign that I kind of lucked out with this guy as my boss. Um, so he he kind of showed me the ropes as far as like right into all grain brewing and like recipe formulation. I didn't know. What the hell I was? Are you allowed at. the homebrew on base? No. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. No. I mean, I I kind of wanted to, but you're not allowed to do it in the barracks. Uh, thankfully, I met my, who is now my current wife, <laughs> and two children. You know, later we have a almost twelve year old son and nine year old daughter, which is hard to believe. Um, That's pretty close to the ages of mine. Yeah. Um, there are pains in that. Which I will say too, it's <laughs> it's hard to come across a brewer that has kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, not uh, not necessarily conducive to no. to family life or uh, <laughs> shift brewing and yeah. things like that. I, I mean, I'll dive a little bit more into that, but so yeah, I, I started out probably around around twenty one uh, home brewing, um, and from there, I uh, you know I, I got out of the Marine Corps and I I you know I was a musician all through high school. I was really into jazz. Um, almost went to Berkeley College of Music up in Boston. Um, That's so, a quite a left turn from going to, to to Berkeley for music to the Marine Corps. Yeah, there was there was a lot oh. going on in my life at that point. Um, Berkeley was was obviously a huge leap financially that I just couldn't make at the time, and I knew that I needed to do something. So I, I went in the military. Uh, when I was getting out of the military, um, we had just found out basically that uh, we were going to have our second kid, and I was like. Oh shit! Um, so I have to figure something out. I had out. the same reaction to our second. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I was going back to college, basically full time. I had the GI Bill and things to at, at my disposal, which was great. Uh, so I pursued music. I went right back to music and ended up getting a, a the degree in you know music education with like a I guess minor in you know jazz performance. I was playing, learning actually in quick time, uh, the upright bass and learning how to play with a bow. And I think I'm the kind of person that gets just like very focused and it almost becomes like an obsession Like when, when, when it comes have, to practicing okay. or, or, or brewing, for example. Like you just want to so keep learning. you're just one of those learning. people when you do something, you're all in on it. Yes, and with an infant and a two-and-a-half-year-old in the house – and just trying, me in the other room or in the garage with an upright bass, just, you know, plucking along, just wanting to dedicate like three or four hours a day, you know, because you become that yeah. much into it. My wife is, you know, ah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> you should probably. And the whole the whole time I'm like, I'm getting into brewing. I'm, I'm you know, multiple glass carboys in the house at all times, <laughs> you know, like, you know, shit popping off and hitting the ceiling every once in a while. Pick one obsession, Dan. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going back to school for music, and I'm like, you know, music 
teaching music is probably going to be my route. So, um, got the degree in music, went to, you know, UNC G in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, but the whole time I'm like, you know, I don't think that I want to do this. So it was like, got that degree. And then I started really looking at brewing schools. I'd already been working at breweries at this point. Um, this is like 2011, 12 ish. I'd started volunteering at breweries, working in breweries, in North Carolina. And I just, it was really became my passion pretty much right away. You know, we had like doing uh, selling seller work or like yeah, front like of seller okay. work, packaging. Um, funny enough, we actually had a, uh, I don't know if you ever tried this or if, you, if you've homebrewed, but when we had our second kid, we had a beer and diapers party. So I provided all the beer, which was like, you know, it was all homebrew. And then people would dedicate like a box of diapers. And it was like, <laughs> we had a mountain of diapers from that party. It was a success. I will say that. <laughs> um, pretty funny. But uh, anyways, I started looking around at brewing schools and there was um, obviously UC Davis uh, out in California. There's Siebel. Both had like extensive wait lists, uh, which I was like, you know, if I'm if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it now. I need to do it now. I have two kids to think about. Um, so I found this one in Asheville that had just opened and maybe had two cohorts go through and it's a two-year program in Asheville that's a technical school and they teach you everything from recipe formulation you know grain to glass to the marketing aspect the uh, business aspect um, they, they make you do an internship over the uh, summer semester like the third semester of you know five total semesters over the course of two years and it's a fantastic program um, during that time, we lived in Asheville for about three years. I worked for, I don't know if you're familiar with Asheville and the breweries down there, but. It's like the Frederick in North Carolina. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Frederick is this great. Is I always look for a reason to come up here. Revive it, that joke. It, it does, I don't think I've said that in a couple of years. It does make me feel <laughs> the same feelings that, you know, Asheville can invoke. Um, and now it's just like the state of North Carolina, basically. Oh, oh, have God, Asheville, Charlotte, Raleigh. Raleigh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, worked at High Wire Brewing um, down there. Fantastic loggers. We've never had them. Um, barrel aging program galore. Uh, but also helped start the White Labs facility, the East facility okay. in, in Asheville. Um, it's fun. So we were down there for, for a number of years and then Moved back up here because I took a job at Dogfish Head um, as a production brewer. So I worked there for a few years, a lot of working overnights. Uh, it was a great experience. I absolutely loved that job, but it definitely, that, that shift rotation was, was tough. Um, it's tough on everybody. Um, so meanwhile, my, my wife, she was also, she's also a Marine Corps veteran, and uh, she went and got her, um, her, her bachelor's in um, in art and also wanted to pursue uh, grad school. So we actually, she, she got into, um, a very well-known school in Baltimore city, uh, Micah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she graduated yeah, that, that brought us to Baltimore. So moved to Baltimore in 2019, uh, started working at heavy seas for a little bit. Um, and then Nepenthe was, was honestly the, the closest brewery, other than Full Tilt, I guess, uh, to where we live in, 
just north of the city. And okay. we started going into Penthe the summer we moved here, and it was I was immediately hooked. You know, um, when you walk in, it it reminds you of some 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 of the tap room uh, tap rooms you'll see in Asheville. Uh, and like little did I know that you know Brian actually told me he's like you know we we sort of modeled the tap room after you know the cozy comfy Asheville tap rooms and also the Trogues tap room uh, up by Hershey and I, I it's one of my absolute favorite breweries yeah, love Trogues I, yeah mm-hmm. I have huge respect for those guys I love going up there and trying the beers like the scratch series stuff and um but yeah I just was immediately hooked uh, I love the beer names. Um, I love the obscure, uh, references to some of the most popular beers. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, <clears throat> I was like, you know, whoever's doing this, you know, if it's one owner, if it's, you know, a couple owners, like these are really creative people. I, I, I would love to be a part of this. And I was, I was immediately like kind of tractor beam, like, I'm going to put my resume in here and just see what happens. Maybe he needs help. <laughs> and we definitely did. <laughs> it was perfect timing. Uh, it was, it was very good timing and you know, I guess the rest, the rest is history, but yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride the last couple of years. Um, definitely excited for what's next. So were, were you at heavy seas and then went straight to Nepenthe? Or was there so there was a period of time where I actually was working at Heavy Seas full time, and I'd still be coming over in the afternoons and working at the Penthe for a number of months <laughs> on top of working at Heavy Seas full time. So it was uh, so you had two jobs, two kids, yeah. So you were tired for a while, <laughs> just a, just a, just a little bit. <laughs> but I always had a great a great feeling about the Penthe, and you know it was it was going to pay off. And I love, I mean, I love working with uh, the Nepenthe team. <clears throat> so it's been great. It seems like Heavy Seas has maybe produced almost as many brewers, like head brewers, as Flying Dog has. True. There, like there, it, it, a few years ago, maybe like four years ago or so, it seemed like everyone would list – Flying Dog is where they got their start. But I feel like more and more, at least lately, guests, Heavy Seas is where people got their start. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today. Best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. Yeah, I mean, I know of, uh, I've met Henry from Firm a few times. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's one of the people he's doing I was a great job. And, um, I mean, John over. Yeah, John Cole, I Black worked Flag. with at Heavy Seas. Um, he's the head brewer of Black Flag. Uh, still a great, great friend of mine. Do do things outside of work. I mean, I guess if you're a, a large production brewery that has tons of shift brewers, like the, yeah. and there's maybe not necessarily a path to go up there because the people at top aren't leaving. Your best yeah. chance is to go out to another brewery. So it makes sense that like the Flying Dogs and Heavy Seas yeah. are the like stepping stones. And, of, yeah. I mean, Dogfish Head too. 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I've definitely talked to several people that that got their start at Dogfish also. Oh, yeah. Um, I think with, you know... Can you ask Sam to reply to my email? I'll, I'll get on it. Give him a call real quick. He, it was absolutely so much fun to, to work around that dude. I mean, <laughs> everybody always asks, because, like, hey, did you ever meet Sam? Like, yeah, I mean, like, he was around all the time. He was, he's still, to this day, very active with, like, the R&D brewing and everything. Like, he's, he, <laughs> he's Sam. I think you've probably met Sam before, right? A few times, yeah. yeah and There's... everybody always asks, you know, is that, is that how he really is? Because they, he's just, he's Sam, you know, he just, in the, all the videos and the quick sip clips and it's like, that's just, that's him. Well, I was on a tour and it was, what was the name of the show that they had? Bro, not Brew Mashers. Maybe. Was it Brewmasters? Brew it was something long, but that short-lived Discovery yes. Channel oh, show. I, yeah. that, yeah. I have it on so, DVD at home somewhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to do with one of those now. <laughs> um, so I was on a tour, and they were filming an episode of that there. And... So my friend and I were like walking past because the tour was like just walking right past where he was giving a tour to it was a representative, a Delaware representative and then someone else. So the camera crew and everything. So I made sure like that I put my camera on silent and turned, made sure the flash was off and I took a picture. So because I didn't want to disturb the filming and he just stopped what they were doing to ask my friend and I if, if we were enjoying ourselves and then like just to interact with us. And I, like, I just thought that That's was cool, yeah. amazing. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, not- he's always walking around with a, just a sense of purpose. You know, he, <laughs> he's just power walking everywhere all the time. Like the, he's, he's a busy guy. He and, like, he still goes to the, all the beer festivals, like a lot of them himself yeah, seen, and like, he'll like write the menu out himself and everything. I'm like, Oh yeah. That's cool, he's, man. He still does that. Yeah, I saw it was was it Ari Jungle? He was it was some big festival in Florida. So it, it may have been Ari Jungle he was at and like the like all the I just saw tons of like local breweries owners That's, posting yeah. photos with That's him. Cool, yeah. Yeah, and actually I pissed off the the Delaware representative that um he was giving the tour to because when we were on our way out he was standing there with the film crew so i asked him what show he was with <laughs> and he's real smugly told me he was a representative from delaware i was like okay <laughs> and then then turned to the guy with the camera and asked him what show they were with <laughs> oh, yeah and then i was at a um I was at a beer writing conference that he gave a talk at, and I, I talked to him for a while after that, and he said he would love to be a guest and told me to email him, and then he never replied. Deadbeat. <laughs> can't believe <laughs> that. I, I can't imagine he has anything going yeah, on. Keep that <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, he seems like one of those, like, he is who he is. Like there, There's no, like... Who you think he is? Yes. That's who he is. Yeah, and it's funny. If if anybody I've talked to, you know, I've talked about, you know, that's that's where I've worked in the past, and um, 
yeah, he's just, he's animated. And it's like, is, is that really how he is? Like he is, that is 100% him. He's just fun to be around. He's, <laughs> he's, he's just fun, you know? I don't know if they still do them, but they used to do the Ask Dogfish where they would live stream him answering questions from social media. And I'm used to, yeah, they, I remember that. So they, they did one of those like live at that conference with him. And one of the questions he was asked is, would he ever, is there a greet an ingredient that he would not, he would not use in a beer. And his answer was phenomenal because he was like, he tries not to think about that because the left side of his brain would be like, Oh, we absolutely can't use that. And then, these like then my right side would be like shut the f up we're definitely using that now <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that's i mean that's what i will say is like for for being such large scale that they are they're they're not afraid to take risks and some yeah. of them are huge risks and like some of the some of the oh, there's definitely some big crash and burns oh too. yeah <laughs> i mean there's there's some batshit crazy ingredients that i know the brewmaster was always not that thrilled to yeah to figure out how we were going to utilize but it was like well you know, it's a challenge. There's, there's, there's all, so many challenges all the time, and it's like this is what Sam wants. I mean, they were <laughs> I, they were definitely putting weird stuff in beer well before yeah. Oh, yeah. everyone was That's putting it. weird yeah. stuff in beer. Pioneers, you know. Yeah, um, yeah like uh, Ken Grossman, you know, the, the, the fabricating his own brew house out of dairy equipment. It's just like the stories. There's, it's, it's, just, it's just such a cool industry to be a part of. It, it's interesting to see, like, what – what weird stuff was put in back then and now what compared to like the weird stuff that's put in now, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's gone so far. Oh, like yeah. past, just candy, oh ice cream. God, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're talking like beer styles. Yeah. Or, well also just adjuncts and stuff that have gone into oh, beer and like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like what was considered like out there, you know, 10, 20 years ago compared to like now what's being put into beer is like, I think changed a lot. <laughs> well now I don't know that there's a limit. Yeah, yeah. Just whatever <laughs> really you can find. <laughs> With what we've seen in the last couple of years, um, if it's edible, so it's, yeah, it's going in there. Know, what yeah. is what's next? Like if, this yeah. is where we're at. What what is next? But it is good to see like a resurgence of like some older classic styles. Yeah, what West Coast IPA is coming back is one of the best things in the world. Yeah, we're super excited oh, about yeah. that. <laughs> and obviously, lagers being, I, I love like, it. Um. Like some people will say, like they're becoming popular instead of like the like they're just actually swimming swinging back to popularity. <laughs> yeah. Like no, people have been drinking lagers and enjoying them forever. They're not just now becoming exactly. Popular. Yeah. yeah. So on, I guess on that subject too. I mean, with with the pandemic, we we had a little bit more space in the tanks and room to kind of let things sit a little bit longer, and that's yeah. why I think we we really touched and touched on the the like the lager program and developing loggers um back in 2020 and like the first one was great i mean it was lost paradigm and then we just brought that back this past summer uh it was great to bring that one back but we've been doing some really really good loggers and i'm I'm just so pumped that we're doing loggers and we're doing them pretty pretty much around the year and making sure we can put them out in cans and yeah i wonder if that was the catalyst for the resurgence of loggers because so many breweries had spare tank space that they could dedicate to lagering and then that just being more readily put out to customers that that was 
So we have COVID possibly to thank for the resurgence of loggers. <laughs> I think they were Silver definitely. Lining. Oh yeah, they were, they were getting. I think a little bit more popular, you know, a little bit before it. But I think definitely the 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 tank space and time yeah. time being the issue was like a blessing in in disguise. Yeah. Well, I mean, the very beginning of COVID is when the, the fruited sours exploded, and that's. I mean, I think they're still popular, but that's definitely dying off. Yeah, a, I mean, a little bit. At least the hype yeah, around them. And is. I think that's like a saturation issue too. Where yeah, it's just every, like but at one point only it. a few breweries were doing it well, and exactly. a lot of breweries have caught up to yeah to those breweries now. So, yeah. uh, you you guys never really dabbled in that at all right i mean you know we do like a fruited sour series but it's not like it's not the smoothie yeah i mean for us i think it was a you know quality control thing where it's like we don't feel great putting a beer out that's you know could potentially refirm you know in the can and yeah there's there's obviously the the quality issue but we also have a hundred feet of line that go from downstairs in the brewery in the cold box up to our tap room oh so you also would not be able so, to uh, <laughs> serve them <laughs> pushing fruit puree yeah. pretty much straight fruit, fruit yeah. purees through 100 feet of line uh, i just don't think our bartenders would enjoy figuring <laughs> out where the like clog is ripping out of the- <laughs> oh, oh yeah i mean and the what people have been doing you know to 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 fabricate you know their their tap system and their tap rooms differently just to make that those styles work. It's it's crazy to hear about, but yeah, I mean we've got we've got a fruited sour a fruited sour series are just a little bit I guess a little bit more approachable, you know, as poly dribbles. Um, we've started adding vanilla beans to a lot of the poly dribbles, um, but then we also have omni dribbles, which is the like seven and a half ish percent imperial. Um, sour ales, which we've really kind of mimicked, um, or we're just trying to, um, I guess, capture certain dessert dishes, you know, in yeah. a kettle sour form. But, yeah, without being too, like, thick. Too, and too heavy, I guess. I mean, it's definitely, a, a you know, a thicker beer than polydribbles, but I think it's still, like, balanced. Yeah. Has, um, has Space Jellyfish always been in 12-ounce cans, or was that a recent... No, so change. That, yeah, so when we first started canning, everything was 16 ounce. Okay. Um, we recently started moving to 12 ounce earlier this year. Like Are you going to do everything or just your core? Just the and, core. Usually the that core. That seems to be the, like the, I would say of any trend of 2023, that's going to be the number one trend is craft beer switching to 12 ounce cans. A hundred percent. And that was, I mean, for us, it was a great move um, because as we are kind of focusing more on distribution, um, there's a lot of stores that just, they don't carry a lot of 16 ounce stuff, whether it's, you know, shelf space or it's their clientele. Um, a lot of people just want six packs. Well, that's, know? I was, I actually earlier this week was having a conversation with someone about that. And, and it's, I think it's so easy when you're in like the craft beer community and really into it to forget that you're a small minority of craft beer drinkers that there's a lot of normal people out there hundred percent and they actually prefer 12 ounce cans because that's what most beers are have yeah. always historically been 
sold in. Yeah, and um, you know the feedback we're getting from from stores and stuff. I think it's it's good to have like the mix of the core brands and twelve ounce, but also continuing to do the limited releases. Um, well, also you can fit a lot more on a shelf, right? Because yeah. a twelve ounce can you can double stack on a shelf. Yep. And but a so the sixteen ounce just leaves all that exactly space. Yeah. And for retail stores, I mean, if they have like a cold fridge, they can just have more shelves if they're yeah. doing doing six packs. And that was another thing I'd point out too is like everything is made for 12 ounce cans, like any kind of beer accessory type things. Like if you buy a beer fridge, the, the stated size or how much it can hold is based on 12 ounce cans. Yeah. Yep. And if you try to configure it to uh 16 ounce cans, the spacing just makes it so you can hardly fit anything yeah. into it or like <laughs> where you can move the shelving to. Yeah. And I think also like, you know, for us and, you know, our cooler space and stuff like that, um, that was a big thing was just growing into the distribution, you know, aspect of the business and needing more space. Yeah. So, um, I mean, for us, you're able to fit, you know, more of 12 ounce six packs on a pallet than you are 16 ounce too, which is. Well, even like coolers, coolers are based on, because the only reason I bought an extremely overpriced Yeti. Yeah. Like the smaller size one is because yeah. the Yeti is the only one that's made where you can stack two 16-ounce yeah. four-packs yeah. on yeah. top of each other. Yeah. yeah, most of my small coolers at home are not like 16-ounce can-friendly. It totally makes sense. Like, <laughs> damn it. I wanted just a couple of these and a couple of those, and I can't. I have to reconfigure everything. It's kind of crazy <laughs> how long it has taken for craft breweries to recognize that normal people want 12 ounce cans. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, I think for so long, everyone was like, you know, let's just do limited releases in, in and that's probably, packs that's and, probably where it came from. The exclusivity of it. Yep. You weren't, you really weren't pushing as much beer out onto shelves yeah. to start out with. Yeah. And it just looked cool. Like 16 ounce cans still do just look yeah. cooler. There's yeah. more room for the art. And, yep. and like, like you said that that's kind of just like a, a portion of the, the con- beer consumers, yeah. you know, like there's a large, you know, market for people who are, like you said, just wanting to get a six yeah. pack. They're just normal people who yeah. drink beer. And <laughs> those people like seeing the, you know, if they like a beer, they want to be able to go back in two weeks or whatever yeah. and get the same thing again, you know, yeah, I guess than, that would be the second growing trend is that so many more craft breweries are expanding having a core lineup of beers. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, especially when, you know, there's so much competition now for shelf space. It's like to be able to have beers that a store will keep all the time, you know, yeah. they're going to be buying that every week, every other week, you know, whereas the limiteds, it's like, there's so many people releasing limiteds every week, you know, you might get kind of lost in the the crowd a bit. Um, you know, and when you walk, when a customer walks into a beer store, there's just walls and walls of 16 ounce four yeah. packs. And you're just like, all right, man, how do you, how do you choose? You know, Why, like it was around 2008 when I first got into craft beer and you could with a little bit of effort, try almost everything that was in a beer store. Like now, like it wouldn't even like, I mean, <laughs> if you really, really worked, you could hit it maybe one week, but then the next <laughs> week there would be another 40 yeah. new beers. been like 2008, like there's yeah. not many new. No, you're right. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> I guess I'd say too that, 
you know, with the pandemic, the that that whole idea of of can release days and like line life, as you know, you know, folks would call it, where people line up and they're they're ready for you to open your doors and get that that sixteen ounce yeah, four pack. Like, it's it's. I mean, obviously, it was kind of destroyed with the the pandemic. Yeah. And there's like three places now that can yeah. still do that. Maybe yeah, Troon. Uh, Troon, and maybe one. <laughs> no, um, oh, I can't think of the brewery name. Another uh, New York brewery is the same way, but they don't have tap rooms, and that's why. Like the yeah, only yeah. way to get it is to when they do a drop, you go and yeah. I just think now with so many, there's just so much good good beer out there, and yeah. it's like it know, has to be beyond special to get exactly, people yeah. to. It's not like well, here's our monthly yeah. drop. Come yeah, stand like, in like line for hours. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like the days of like, you know, getting a an awesome like New England style IPA was like, oh man, there aren't as many breweries doing this. But now it's like, you know, every brewery, it's like you're gonna have to have one just because they sell so well. And yeah. it's like, you know, nowadays, like, you know, most people are using similar hops, you know. I feel like a lot of the standards have have risen as far as yeah. like what to expect with an IPA. So it's like I just think there's there's so much good beer out there that people don't need to go travel and wait in line for, you know, multiple hours to get something. So how um how many core beers do you have? What are and what are they? Um so for us, I mean, Space Jellyfish is our, our number one seller. So that was um that's, that's something I don't think's ever gonna change. That no. IP an IPA is not exactly, gonna be yeah. the, I but, think even the like Breweries that have like have something non IPA is their number one seller. It's just because they have multiple very high selling IPAs. Yeah, and it was it was funny because we never really like you know when we first started brewing Space Jellyfish, we didn't really like anticipate it being our flagship beer. Um, and it just became so popular that it just kind of like evolved into that because um, you know we use a ton of Galaxy in there. Um, a lot of Motueka and Simcoe as well. Um, but like Galaxy is a, a pretty expensive hop. So we were like, you know, this expensive beer is becoming our core, you know, and we, Shit. we, du- <laughs> we double dry hop it too. So Can't it's like, you people buy something else? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's kind of our flagship core beer. Um, Cryomancer is another beer that we you know, are really, really proud about. It's a West coast style IPA. Um, it's, it's also only five and a half percent. Yeah. Which, which you is don't really see. Super crushable, um, Citra and Simcoe Cryo in there. Um, just a really great West Coast IPA. Um, really good pricing too. Um, and then uh, we also have um, Glamour, which is our dry hop pilsner. Um, that was one that we're really excited about. Um, you know, we we use our horizontal lagering tanks for that, and all of our lagers. Um, but that's a really really good beer because you know when creating like a core portfolio, we want to make sure that we have a diverse kind of group of beers like we can't just have all ipas you know so having a lager in there um you know we also have astral decay which is our pale ale um but you know for that beer it's not just your average pale ale you know we uh dang yeah. you can talk about it yeah well, i mean we we mash hop it um we use cosmic punch uh with it i mean we've <clears throat> we've definitely tweaked it a little bit here and there but it's uh it's just a Really, really nice, like five and a half percent, um, like New England style pale. Um, but it's it's just one of those things where you know because because thiols 
and thializing things have be- become such a, a front running. I still can't understand <laughs> that. <laughs> it's really sciencey. We're, we're sciencing. <laughs> um, I don't like. I don't think I'll ever understand phantasm. Like what I, I just. <laughs> I've so I, I've I've not actually had too many beers with the phantasm in it. I, I've had some I've had some some pretty solid ones. Um, I've had other ones where it's like I don't know. You kind of feel like once you've had one, you've kind of had them all. That, that they play, it plays really well with things like Nelson. You that know, was definitely like, the case early on. But I feel like breweries are understanding it better now. Yeah, and it's not as slap you in the face like it, you i've had i've had phantasm beers recently where like i instantly wasn't like okay they used phantasm in this <laughs> but yeah, but I'm, at one time like you could the second you smell and took one sip you're like okay they, they used yeah, phantasm yeah. i think it's a great product um i think just the although the, cosmic punch i kind yeah. of feel like is the same thing have you ever had a beer with phantasm and cosmic punch Yes, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. well, there's even uh, there's a th- th- uh, thialized uh, yeast strain that um, that Omega's put out that's like it's like you thought thiols were cool, but like this is like the amplified like maximum thiol, you know, yeast. <laughs> and then uh, I was talking to somebody recently from another Maryland brewery, and he said that he they used it in a, in a beer in an IPA, and it was just like whoa. Like, and they didn't even really go full throttle on it, but it was yeah. just like, we won't ever use that again. Um, but, you know, that's just, was everybody's it al- tastes are different. Was it an alliterative brewery? Um, was, so was the brewery name alliteration? <laughs> no. Uh. No. Um, but, with, I mean, just just with that being said, though, I, I feel like the, the thialized yeast strains are something that we are really excited about. We've been using them for a little while now. Um, there's new ones coming out. Um, the uh, like we're we're about to bring um, a a beer called Kaleidochroma back, which we did before, where we actually are using um, like the Star Party yeast, uh, which is like a West Coast <clears throat> perfect for like a West Coast style IPA and thializing something like that, but then also using terpenes. Um, so we've been playing terpenes a lot, which is also very exciting. Um, I think there's more, more, more of that to come for sure, and yeah, there's just like a, there's so a, many crazy things. There's dialyzed lager strains yeah. now, which um, we're also excited to to play around with here soon. Um, I think that may actually be one of the most exciting things, at least to me in craft beer, is the resurrection of old styles with all the new modernized modernized techniques, techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like. West Coast IPAs with cryo and incognito. The, yeah, it, yeah. Oh yeah. And it's been I think it's been cool because you know, a lot of people might not know what some of these products are, you know, and and the more that it becomes I guess more normalized or mainstream, like people are going to know like, oh, it has incognito. I know what that means or you know, I can expect the aroma to be more amplified. Um so just being able to kind of use science to like really push the boundaries a little bit more definitely a great marketing tool i mean we've we've talked about this a lot in the brewery and just amongst amongst our our team about what it looks like when you when you post about an ipa or double ipa that you know whirlpool with incognito it's there's something there's something to be said about it like it it entices me just like oh yeah 
it's probably had probably has a very amplified juicy you know hop aroma it's everything's amplified you know emphasis on amplification <laughs> um what? but yeah it's just it's it's an enticing thing or, or phantasm you know or uh hop sauce you know because like the new york hop guild has been putting that out recently too and it's just um just all exciting products i know there's more to come you know, i get the emails about these new products I'm just like we gotta get our hands on that like really excited about or i mean there's like the new, new hops coming out all the time you know and you see the trend of like how one brewery will use it and then everyone's like yeah. oh, sh- we got to get our hands on that you know and oh, yeah um but yeah i mean i think it's for us it's been cool to experiment with this with a lot of these products and also you know keep doing the limited releases where we can have fun and play with a lot of these creative ideas but also have the core beers to kind of like you be know, the backbone. Be the huh? backbone to the portfolio. Um, it's kind of what we're what our goal is. Yeah, I finally found it. It's I, I couldn't remember the beer name, but it, it's Lord Bones is the yeah. label that I always think of whenever I think of Nepenthe. That's that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's a great label, and that was one of uh, one of the earlier labels that Mike did for us. And so it's actually like Lord Bones the has a dog on it like a pretty metal looking dog. And it was actually Brian and Jill's dog, <laughs> Benny, who's like the sweetest, you know, <laughs> he's, sweetest lab he's ever. Very sweet boy. Um, but the, the, the label is, is pretty badass. Um, but that was another beer for us. I mean, that, that's a milkshake IPA and, you know, we like doing that one a lot, but it's another style where I feel like it kind of like, you know, milkshake IPAs, you know, 10 years ago weren't, you couldn't find them that often. And then they kind of had like this, this moment, you know, and now it's like you don't see him as much now either. Yeah, um, I think there's actually a Lord Bones can in the the can wall nice. that I use to hide behind, so no one knows <laughs> I'm at my desk because one of my guests had brought it with yeah. them. Yeah, we love that beer. It's, it's one of our favorites. It's not, um, if I remember, I mean, this was probably like four years ago or three, probably three or four years ago. That was that around that long ago. What that what was first in cans? Lord, yeah, it came out with the the initial. So twenty twenty is when it yeah. first. So it was definitely it was spring. so it would have been one of my probably one of the final guests <laughs> that, <laughs> that came to the studio in twenty twenty <laughs> that brought that with them. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably the the uh, the very first. Might have been the first time we did that beer. Yeah, but if I remember correctly, it. it's not like um, it's not an obnoxious milkshake IPA in that it's not like ridiculously sweet and yeah. like it's still IPA ish just like a little totally a little softer a little sweeter yeah. yeah and I think for us like making sure you know things are balanced is you know pretty key and I feel like for the milkshake IPA you still want it to taste like an IPA yeah you know make the van- make the vanilla pop um I think that's just where we are now and we've we've re- I think we've we've worked really hard to to get to is just our biggest thing is balance and you know like with the new england style stuff and and all with with all that being said you know just you know you want you want some bitterness to be there so it's not just like a straight juice yeah. um which don't get me wrong I, like i love like the the tropical juice aspect but there has to be just that touch of bitterness you know like you know, brewers kiss. <laughs> just, that's just it's 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 at least perceived and noticeable. Um, 
God, that chicken sandwich looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the special one. Yeah, this it is. Uh, it's about lunchtime, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, our, our chef has done a fantastic job. And we just won um, what, Best Brewery Food in yeah. Baltimore last year. Baltimore uh, Magazine. Baltimore Congratulations. Magazine. Yeah. Um, I think people really do. That it, it does resonate with people. Uh, our food aspect is always... <laughs> they are drawn to the tap room for the food for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it, it helps when people are like day drinking and stuff to have some really great food to go in. Yeah, well, it keeps people there longer keeps too. Them in their seats, yeah. I will uh, say the fries. I think we have the best fries. <laughs> I have any restaurant I can think of <laughs> in the state of Maryland. How um, is ridiculous. How close to the rotunda are you guys? We're not that far. I'd probably say maybe five minutes. Okay. Yeah, super close. I have to go there for a meeting. Oh, you should definitely point. come down. Yeah, so I think I need to really, get a really chicken close. sandwich yeah. when yeah. I do that. We're, uh, we're really close. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. yeah I'm not, I, I am not familiar with the layout of things that... In my mind, like things are either way closer to each other in Baltimore than I think they are, or they're way further away from. <laughs> yeah. I have no concept of where things in Baltimore yeah. are. Uh, you said, you know, being a dad yourself, I, I, I don't get out. So, like, the avenue, quote unquote, is, you know, right next to us. And it, some people that I've worked with now, <laughs> three years, like, oh, you didn't know that that place existed on the, like, I don't. I go to work and I go home. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going down the avenue. And well, I mean, and that that is my problem too. Is that a lot of times if I haven't been to a brewery because I'm doing like brewing a beer with them or I'm having them on, is I like I haven't been there. Yeah. Like, because people are always shocked. Like we'll talk about a brewery. Like I I haven't been there. What do you mean you haven't been there? It's like well I like I just. Yeah, I yeah. haven't been there. <laughs> like, you I have also, two kids, and yeah. but you also live in this area, right? So I mean, yeah. you have such a a great like family of breweries yeah. right here. It's like right. Why there's breweries in Frederick I haven't far. been to? <laughs> <laughs> like when I lived That's in Nashville, funny. I felt like it was the same thing. I was like, Pff. yeah, why would I go anywhere else? Yeah. <laughs> Although Fontaflora is definitely worth the drive. That's like an hour, no matter which way you put it from Asheville. But Fontaflora is is awesome. Yeah, my problem is, is like both of my kids have activities and stuff now, and so it's like, when do you my, make the time? Yeah, my yeah. brewery visiting is uh, work related at this <laughs> point because I'm e I'm either at some kind of horse riding thing or a field hockey thing or <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm at a kid thing. Not that <laughs> I don't get to go. Damn kids! Seriously, <laughs> they ruin everything. Yeah. Nah, they're great. I love them both immensely i like that um <laughs> I like the baltimore craft beer festival like there were breweries from parts of maryland that like you know i had never been to or even heard of i'm like what part of maryland are you guys from you know well, so it's like even these small little pockets yeah. and towns throughout the state are like have a craft brewery which is yeah. awesome you're not definitely not the only one <laughs> well that was like early on in starting this podcast like i learned like there's a lot of people in the industry that listened and someone had told me, like, the reason they listen is because they don't get to go to all these other breweries in Maryland and they listen <laughs> to Uncapped to get to net, like, yeah. so they can find out what's going on with the other breweries in Maryland. 
Yeah. Because yeah, really you cool. guys are busy brewing beer and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making your own breweries run. You don't necessarily have time. To yeah. But, uh, but yeah, those like festivals are great just to meet, yeah. you know, different brewers and kind of talk, you know, about their experiences and kind of where the industry is going. And yeah, um, we were, yeah, we were we next to, to Abbeywood. Um, at the, yeah, they're brand the, new. Did they open, they opened their physical location, right? I'm actually not sure. I, don't I know. think just recently they may have like actually opened. I could be completely wrong. So scratch, scratch, ignore. I said that if I'm not right. <laughs> or or they're very yeah. close. They, yeah. I think they're they were super friendly. Um, a lot of good beers they had with them that day. That was that was just a beautiful day. Oh yeah, that can we- weather was parties. great. Yeah, the waterfront is, is gorgeous. So just yeah, walking around, just seeing all the energy in the community and you know the excitement about the beer was. A lot of fun. Have you guys ever gone to Love Thy Beer? I don't think we have done that one. No, that's an amazing event that the Brewers Association in, of Maryland puts okay. on. It's in Silver, Silver Spring. Spring. Okay, yeah. yeah. Which, like, typically going to Silver Spring can just be an absolutely miserable like experience. Parking and, yeah, but one thing I always emphasize talking about Love Thy Beer is that it is. I can't remember what building it's in. It's always in the same location. It's right next to a free parking garage. Oh, that's great. That, like, Strategic. That's huge. I, yeah. I don't know if they planned it that way, but the and it's a large parking garage directly across the street, and it's free. So That's awesome. Don't let it being in Silver Spring <laughs> deter her going. But that's always really that, – that's another one of BAM's events that I really enjoy going to. Yeah, BAM – and there's a lot of awesome festivals, and we've we really enjoy kind of participating in everyone. Like they did one at Merryweather, which was great. The Hops and Harvest. Oh um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Really, really cool venue. They have live music. Um, tons of people for that. Um, you know, we've done. I think beer festivals, you know, in general, are just a great opportunity to kind of get in front of a lot of people, you know, and really just share our beer and kind of <clears throat> see the excitement. Um, like we do some on the Eastern shore and it's great to kind of get over there. And, you know, a lot of people who aren't going to drive to Baltimore, you know, maybe, but they'll, you know, being at these festivals, they get to try our beer, which is cool. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the most rewarding parts of the year is getting to go to these, some of these big festivals, like the Maryland one up up here in Frederick and the Baltimore one, just being able to talk to people. And that's, it just kind of reinvigorates what we're doing. You know, it's like, damn, we're doing something, right? <laughs> Love Live Beers February tenth this year. Oh wow, that's that's right, right, right around yeah. the corner. That's a great, and it's like a. Well, let me make sure they're doing it this year before I say it's the same thing. <laughs> but in the past, it's been like they would have small, like food sampler things too. I don't know if they're still doing. Da-da-da. Just ignore that part. But there's there's it, it's a fun event. Cool. Um. The do you guys do a lot of other festivals, or do you mainly just do the Mar- actually? So that we'll rewind a little bit. Are you do you distribute outside of Maryland at all, or just throughout Maryland? Uh, Maryland and DC. Okay. Yeah. So we've done a couple of festivals in DC, um, but we just started going to DC this year, early this year. So, well, I guess last year now. But um, yes, yeah, so that's another market that we're really kind of trying to grow, and um, you know, there's. A lot of people that live in D.C., a lot of stores, a lot of uh, good bars. So. Are you all self-distribution? 
or no. have you signed with? Yep. Yeah. We, um, you know, so the first kind of year we did self distribution, then we kind of grew to a point where I couldn't fit enough beer in my Subaru, <laughs> and I was doing that every day and just driving all over the state. Um, it's the it's the brew brew. Yeah, we call it, <laughs> brew, we call it the brew brew. <laughs> but you know, uh, so we went. Um, so we did self distribution for the first, I mean, probably six to ten months, and then we joined up with a uh, another distributor. Um, and then we kind of got to a point where we, you know, we're, we're continuing to grow, adding more tanks. And then, um, we signed on with, uh, legends, um, earlier this, well, I guess last year now in the spring. Um, awesome. They're very selective of who they, yeah. they take on. Yeah. It's been a really great partnership and they've just kind of helped get our beer out to even more places. So you are then everywhere in Maryland, everywhere in yeah, Maryland yep. they, and DC. Yeah. Um, which it's really great. I mean, Self self distribution is is also really great, um, but the amount of kind of yeah until you send yeah, a lot out yeah you get to a point where you're like <laughs> all right you know we either need to buy a bunch of you know delivery vans or trucks and do this ourselves or we kind of partner up with someone yeah. who can help do that because um, my my car has taken a lot of uh, a lot of damage over the years <laughs> like I had uh, I mean you have to you would have to be humongous. For the ROI to make sense on buying you would, a yeah. fleet of delivery vans to and to drive to yeah. every place yep. that would want your beer totally, and you got to you know the labor costs of like having drivers yeah. and insurance, the maintenance, know, and, of, yeah, those the maintenance vehicles, of those vehicles, the yeah. gas, the just everything involved lot, in it. Yeah. Do you guys have uh, before I started asking you intentionally stupid questions? Is there anything that I have missed that you want to tell everyone about or do you have anything coming up uh, that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, so kind of the next most exciting thing we have coming up is our our anniversary party. Um, So it'll be our fourth anniversary. Um, And that'll be the second Saturday in February. February 11th. The 11th, yeah. Um, So it's really exciting. Um, every year we do a big party. We have, you know, a lot of releases that day, like limited releases. And then we also do a bunch of variants, which are a lot of fun. Um, you know, just so like a, a keg or two. Yeah, just you do one, one sixth and we do a special, you know, version of it with, you know, really fun, exciting, creative yeah. adjuncts and stuff. Um, but yeah, so we're really excited. We're doing a bunch of collaborations that Dan can kind of talk about maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah, um, we've got we, we decided to go uh, pretty collab heavy as far as the anniversary beers this year. Um, got something really exciting in the works with Black Flag, um, with Astrolab and Crooked Crab. Nice. Um, actually, doing all of those within the next two weeks. Um, I I can't touch on too much of what we're doing as far as the actual beers. Um, but I am super stoked for that. And then we're doing, I think, two other beers on top of that, which are basically just from our, you know, our brains that we've kind of come together. You know. We, um, <clears throat> I think one of them, you know, we're bringing back our What Did You Do Ray series, which is a really fun kind of like milkshake IPA with marshmallow fluff. Um, we haven't done one in a while, so we're going to do a new version of that. Um, yep. 
Is that the one? Is is the label the Stay Puff? Stay Puff. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> and we yeah. do we do use marshmallow fluff. Um, the heat exchanger really enjoys that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's such a joy to brew yeah, every time. It's going to be fun to clean up afterwards. <laughs> we still yep. can't figure out why Ray did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's another one that, you know, other than Lord Bones that people do ask a lot about, you know, when, when did, <laughs> it's funny to see how different people call it <laughs> different things. What not it? Uh, well, one of them is, why, why did Ray do it? When you, when you bring it back, why did Ray do it? <laughs> um, <laughs> or they call it a number of other things. When you bring him back, Ray, you know. Um, so we got to we got to bring that back. You know, it's anniversary time. So yeah, yeah there's going to be some some fun stuff. So that's for that February 11th. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it'll be kind of like an all day thing. We'll have a bunch of can releases, food specials, variants all day. It's it, we have a, a blast. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, and then I mean, I'll be in Spooky Nook for a field hockey game. Man. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well, we'll save you some of the cans. <laughs> um, Don't let your kids play field hockey. <laughs> yeah, I got to get, get my son back in the little league, which he's pretty pretty stoked about. I mean, that's, I'm, that I'm stoked about just it. just as bad, I think. It's, <laughs> it's been a couple years, unfortunately, and I just I'm really – Really uh, itching to get him back into a sport, and he's he's really excited about it. So, or I guess it's just don't let your kid go on a travel team. <laughs> I, I will say, yeah, there's travel little league. Um, and I, I don't know how parents do that with the 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 regular team and putting them on like a travel team on top of that. And it's like, damn, like multiple games a week, and then all the traveling. Yeah, it's that's a that's a quite a bit of an undertaking. And um, I mean, kind of one more thing that we were excited about just to jump back was we're doing this new kind of brew house like exclusive series called Spontaneous Deviations. Um, and we're kind of allowing the brew team to really kind of. That's a cool name. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So it's. Anyway, so, yeah, it's kind of cool because we're, you know, we do these small batch releases and the idea is, you know, they're pretty limited um, and it really just allows like, you know, our team to really get creative and do a lot of fun stuff and do, do things that we wouldn't normally do on a large scale, yeah. you know, it wouldn't make sense on a large scale, but doing a small batch of it, like, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of, uh, be able to rotate those around. Let's uh, be a little more risky on yeah, exactly. what you're doing. Yep. So it's not, yeah, you're not committing painful, to yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you but know, it's just, it's a great opportunity for us to get creative and, do some things that we've been talking about doing and we just haven't gotten around to it. Um, like one of them being, was it Spontaneous Deviations 3? We, we put out just around perfect timing for Christmas. It was a, a red West Coast style double IPA that I added spruce tips to. Uh, I just, I love spruce and big beers like that. And it just, those that, like beers like that are coming back, like the maltier, um, you know, red IPAs, Double, you know, red double IPAs. I love beers like that. Um, <clears throat> do they all have the same label? And then, like, yeah. just change the color? Yep, so we change the color, and then it's kind of like a different number each time. You know, so the one we brought today. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that that is a raven. <laughs> <laughs> you sure yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> that was a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of... We have a lot of ravens and skulls and stuff on the labels. I mean, there's 
I feel like there's a short list of things if you're a Baltimore brewery that you have to lean into or it's just silly not to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ready to an- answer some uh, random stupid questions? Sure. Fire away. Do you wash apples before eating them? I'm going to say yes, especially after the last couple of years. Like actually wash them or just rub I them mean, on your shirt? <laughs> I think I might just rinse it underwater. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just just a quick rinse. <laughs> Best fast food French fries. Defend your answer. Oh man. Chick fil A. I'm gonna say Checkers. Checkers French fries are amazing. The crisp and like the season, yeah. the seasoning aspect. Yep. Like I, I will say, you know, a seasoned curly from Arby's. Also. I'm not sure about anything else from Arby's, but I'm just gonna. I'll say Checkers. The just frozen. I said that. The frozen, but yeah, everything <laughs> else at Arby's is garbage. <laughs> but you can buy the you can buy the frozen bags of them at the grocery store, and if you put them in an air fryer, they're phenomenal. Nice. You shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. what would the title of your biography be? I, I'm gonna say married. Dot 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 and brewing with children. <laughs> Mine would probably be <clears throat> how to handle stress. <laughs> <laughs> Have you figured that out, or you're still it's still it's still work in progress? <laughs> some say beer helps. Um, some people say it doesn't. So I guess yeah. I mean, you can you can investigate that further. Yep. I guess. Yep. I guess where, where my thought process was, and it, it brings me back to a, a very funny story of when I was in brewing school, there was 24 of us in this cohort. I was the only dumbass in the cohort that had children and was trying to make <laughs> that work with kids. And the instructors would laugh at me all the time because I'd bring my books in and like they'd be covered in marker along because <laughs> they were both young enough. Yeah. It was just like, it was like an art book. Well, I'll just draw all over daddy's, you know books and so i'd show up and like we had tables like this where all of us were sitting and i'd sit up front usually and it's just everything all the sides of the books were covered in highlighter and (laughs) (laughs) permanent marker like yep that's funny (laughs) i thankfully my kids never drew all over any of my stuff (laughs) you're lucky um who would win a battle between a ninja and a pirate oh man I'm going to say pirate. You're correct. Yeah. I say pirate. I mean, a pirate with a good shot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's be real. A lot of people answer ninja. They're completely wrong. It was absolutely a pirate. (laughs) Yeah. What is the scariest movie you've ever watched? Oh, man. I don't know, Dan. You watch a lot more scary movies than I do. Um. I'd I'd probably say The Exorcist really hit me. In a way that I, I've never wanted to return to it. Uh, that, that's just a. I never watched that until I was an adult. I feel like it would have had way more of an impact on me if I would have watched it as like a teenager or younger. There was also a movie back in the 80s, um, a kind of a horror nerd, but it was with George C. Scott called The Changeling. And there's a, there's a couple of scenes and the music, like the music sets the movie up to just scare the shit out of you. And there was something that it's, it's it's I highly suggest that movie. Um, it's, it's pretty creepy. 
I just remember what movie tormented me as a kid. <clears throat> the Gate. Oh yeah. I don't think from the it was from the late eighties. I watched it once again, um, like probably in the early two thousands, and it does not hold up. So it's not <laughs> worth going to watch. But as a kid, I watched that, and it it like it just finally popped in my mind. Like trying to think of something that I yeah. watched as a kid that just had me petrified. That was one of them. So I had a, a similar experience with when I was a, I was a kid. I watched Poltergeist, and I was way 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 too young to be watching <laughs> this. I was probably I don't know maybe like six or seven or something. I had an older sister and, you know, watching that, it was just terrifying, you know, and I haven't, I don't even think I've watched it since. I'm just like, nah, I don't think I need to. (laughs) Does pineapple belong on a pizza? I'm I'm, I'm just going to outright say no. I don't know if I would say much better. I don't know if I'd say it belongs, but I wouldn't mind if it's there. I would still eat the pizza and probably enjoy it. Uh, Dan, you're correct. Uh, you're partially wrong. Uh, is Nickelback a good band? Oh, man. Oh, boy. No. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard no. Yeah. It's funny, though, speaking of Nickelback, we did a, uh, at our holiday party last year, we do like a secret Santa, and uh, some one of our employees got Dan and gave him a Nickelback CD and a what a forty of natural light or whatever natty ice. weird, <laughs> whatever weird size can that that natty daddy like eight percent imperial natty light comes in. It's like twenty eight <laughs> ounce or something. Yeah, I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's like a crowler sized yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was just a wonderful Christmas gift. What is the best color of Starburst? Pink. I think I'm gonna say red. Red's a runner-up. Pink is the correct answer. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say so. Crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Crunchy. I like that texture in there. I think I think I'm gonna say creamy, and if there's texture, it should come from a nice a nice bread. I haven't. Like I want to say crunchy, but I haven't had it in forever because my wife hates crunchy peanut butter. I feel like I want to go buy a jar this weekend, revisit that, it. Yeah, but it has it, like it can't be cold because then it's just absolutely oh, impossible. You don't to put it in the fridge, on. do you? Or your this is the, I do not. I, I touched a source. <laughs> I do not put peanut butter in the fridge. There are people in my household that do. <laughs> I do not. Can't be I'm, cold. Come on. I'm not a maniac. <laughs> Would you rather be able to do fly or have a million dollars? Oh, man. I think, I think everybody's got a price. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't mind being the million dollar man. I'd like probably dollars. say hmm, that's a tough one because maybe you could like monetize being able to fly and like that's my make, answer. Make more money than a million dollars. Like if you're the only person that could fly in the world, like well, you could probably getting, make some money. Yeah, well, you're getting deep, <laughs> a little little deep on this, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> I should have thought that far. What would the title of? I mean, sorry, I asked that already. Who would play you in a movie about your life? 
Oh, man. I don't know. Maybe Matt Damon. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, Actually that's no, a tough I say, question. Like, there is a, there's a slight resemblance. You know what's funny is, is like my mother has told me this before, and I'm just like, no. No, there is. But I if, wouldn't without saying it, I wouldn't like I wouldn't have thought of it. But like as you say, there's definitely there is an actor that 100 percent looks like you, Brennan, and I can't. Like, it's oh, on its, oh no, you just, <laughs> I have to know now. Uh, I will, Who's what's he probably been Ryan in? Gosling? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, when 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 I recorded one of these. Um, at uh, the Barrel Culture Invitational, where it was at the Brewers party, and it, like we just had a bunch of different brewers come up and just ask these questions. There were like three or four people that, that answered Jason Statham. What? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as as soon as it comes to my mind, I'll text you and let you know who it is. Nice. But I can't. Maybe it's I, Liam Neeson's. Liam Neeson's. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so popular. Uh. If you were a member of the Spice Girls, what would your name be? Uh, fermentation Spice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know. <laughs> um, pass. Do <laughs> <laughs> you, you need a lifeline? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you were a wrestler, what would your walkout music be? I'd probably have to say "Invisible Touch" by Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah, this is. Oh, I mean, man. it's hey, well. Today's Friday. It's Phil Fridays um, in Our, the brewery every Friday. It's we play Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Oh yeah. yeah, all things Phil. Uh, he is. He's like a, a. You have to be the only brewery in the world that does that. Uh, well, you know what. <laughs> Come work at Nepenthe because it's great. If, you, if you're a Phil it's Collins a fan and you brew beer, come Nepenthe on now. Is your uh, we're talking all all Phil Genesis, Brand X, all, all of it. Tarzan soundtrack. Oh yeah. I mean, because I feel like <laughs> the brewery soundtrack is almost exclusively like death metal Some or days. '90s hip hop. Yes, and we do have some of that. <laughs> too, yeah, it, it, uh, I would never have put Phil Collins on that list. But, uh, Phil Fridays. Fridays is dedicated just to Phil. Yeah. And there's we have pictures of Phil. All right, new new question for the list. What's the best Phil Collins song? I'm gonna say "Don't Lose My Number." There's something about that drum track that that just hits right every single time it comes on. Everybody's like, "Hell yes!" <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's there. that one too. Boom boom pat. <laughs> there are definitely a lot of good drum lines or oh, drum tracks in Phil Collins. Yeah, songs. you know who played most of them? Phil. I would. I had that. I didn't well, want to say it because I thought it would sound really stupid, but I vaguely remembered that he was also a, an accomplished drummer, among other things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll do one more. Let's find. See if I have a good one. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, it's a, it's a hot dog. I think it's its own category. What? What? I mean, what? what I, think, I don't know. <laughs> okay. And it, it's not something I care about at all. I know it's been. I know it's been a. It's, it's been <laughs> a, a heated debate. debate. <laughs> somebody, someone has asked me that in the last couple of years. A couple of different people, like, no comment. 
mean, I like hot dogs. I just don't love hot I don't care what category yeah. I'm into. My, my, I think I'll just go with my favorite answer is that they're an American taco. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you dress it up really good or do you go plain? I go plain. Plain Jane. Yeah. Oh, just man. mustard or no, I mean, plain. Just nothing. Not like just a pickle straight. or anything, right? No, plain. Wow. No, if you get a good hot dog, you yeah, don't need anything. It's a good hot dog, yeah. I mean, if it's like some garbage one, then yeah. I'll, I, I don't know. I feel like at least mustard. I'm like, especially like ham like and yards or something. Yeah. It's like I'm sloppy. <laughs> so and if mustard gets on your shirt, pl- yeah, it may not come out. Keeping it plain yeah. is my best yeah, yeah. <laughs> bet <laughs> <laughs> to to not avoid any kind of having to clean up a stain afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like grilling it's the best way to cook it. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, without yes. a doubt. The people who boil hot dogs, I'm like, what are you doing? That's what my mom did growing up. That's why I did not like hot dogs that much as a kid. On that note, thank you, gentlemen, (laughs) so much for your time. This is great. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers. 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 The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.